This is the Football Pimp Podcast. I'm Scott Parr, joined by, as always, Simon. So, today's podcast is going to be a little bit of everything. There's no really theme to it. We're going to be talking a bit about transfers, Copper America talk, a bit about some managerial appointments, a bit about the FCON and whatever else we can really get to in about an hour's time. I'm sure there's plenty we're going to talk about. I'm sure. So, we're going to start off with transfers. So, I mean, we're about a week and a half behind, but Simon, set van der Berg. 1.3 mil, another 4.4 mil in add-ons. Well, we've been waiting for a transfer since the end of the season. Uh, it's it's not the huge headline transfer that some people have been asking for, but I think it's personally, I think it's exactly the type of transfer we we needed. One, either super headline, yeah, Mbappe, or let's stick with the 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 theme of the younger kids coming through. I mean, in theory, this kid will still go in and play in the academy, but he's been promoted straight away into the senior setup at Melwood. He's going to do the tour. He's big, he's strong, forget his age. If he's big enough, 17. good enough, he's old enough. And he's a big boy. We've seen the return from preseason. The towers have clopped. Even Klopp turned around and said, I didn't realise how big you were for anyone that's seen the video. Big, big boy. So I think it's a great addition. I think we won't see much of him after the pre-season tour till this time next year. I think he'll go away. Don't think they'll put him out on loan, not in the first season. He may go out on loan the second season. Do you reckon that depend on how good of a season he has maybe under 21 level? And then depending, you know, if we do make it far in the likes of some of the... um, Domestic competitions, how he does? Yeah, absolutely. And if he's a bit too good for the twenty threes, but he's, but we've still got Lovren, we've still got Matip, we've still got Gomez um, ahead of him in the pecking order. It might be best to maybe send him out to a championship side. Yeah, but he won't have a really good look at him this year, and that means he keeps him tight, uh, keeps him at Melwood, you know, keeps him in the other twenty ones, and then makes his decision whether he stays or goes out on loan, potentially. I can see him staying next year and sitting in alongside Gomez as the number three. And if, you know, I can't see, you know, maybe a lot from being here this time next year. I think he's, if he stays this year, this is. We may as well talk about it now. Do you reckon Lovren is going to go this year? Because AC Milan have been heavily linked with Yeah, no, I don't. I think we've got one more year with him. I think think he'll stay. I don't think, I don't think why I want to leave. And. For the price of the money that he'll go for is around the 20 mil mark, which is what it's been assessed as online and stuff. I reckon you're not going to find someone as good, as experienced. How long as has he got left on his contract? You know, it's one I've not checked. Not a so that'd be a, a deciding factor in, in a lot of it. You know, on what the amortisation is on his on his deal uh, when he last signed. But the reality is, we need depth. Dexy can't do. Game after game after game, he's still not done more than seven games back to back for us in any season. He he won't be able to do it. His body just cannot survive it. And as such, he's he knows that he needs to be in an environment where there are spare spare bodies that he can sit in alongside. So I think it fits fine. But I do think if uh, if Zep steps up, this will be his last year. So we got three years left on his contract. Um, it runs up in 2021 20, it runs up so it's still got three years 
So this so it's time not like next we need, year, it's not like we need to um, worry about letting him go on a uh, free. free. This time next year, there's two years left on his deal. They can come up with a decent deal, and he can go I mean, with everyone. In, especially with in this inflated blessing. market now, you've got who? Where else are you going to find a Champions League finalist, World Cup finalist? Yeah. around for the twenty mil mark. You know who who is prepared not to play every game. Exactly, and and allow us to. Let's blow. be honest. He is an experienced pro. So if you do have him alongside the likes of maybe Zet van der Berg in a League Cup game, like we had the troubles we had at Wolves away in the uh, FA Cup third round this year, if you had to, th- if we had some injury worries and you had to throw Keanu Hoover or this um, Set van der Berg in next to Lovren, yeah. he won't be exactly. I mean, but it's obviously not. It's not ideal, perfect. but he's. It's not a bad pro. But you've got an old have. pro head for him to sit in alongside, you know? Uh, yeah, because him and Matt are in the same boat. Uh, Matt sits ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah, but in the same boat as regards to physical conditioning, being able to survive multiple games. Matt's only got two years left on his contract. So, one of them won't be here this time next year. I agree with that. Again, it really depends on who lasts longer, really, who uh, plays better for that season. And. This is why they've brought this young kid in, you know, because you've got Gomez there ready to step in. This young kid in, we've got plenty of cover in those and positions going forward. it's great for them two young lads, because you think of um, Keanu Hoover as well, who's still only a teenager. Both Dutch. Not bad having the Dutch captain as your, you know, your, your, your idol really there to help you settle you in. I'll tell you now, he will be fast-tracked into the Dutch first team pretty down quick, sitting alongside him. So, um, along with outgoing, Origi, been talked that he may or may go. Is obviously his contract is up at the end of next or this season coming. Origi, seen leaving now, or do you reckon he'll be going on a free at the end yeah, of next season? Going a free at the end of next year. I think there's, they're trying to get a deal on the table for him to sign. If he signs it, great. If he doesn't, doesn't really matter. I think for, I've seen a thing that we've actually what um, I can't remember what we paid. I think that was around six. Some we for the money that we've basically got off the loan deals we've well and truly paid back his uh, money that we paid for him in the first place yeah. and, and then you've got the two, countless two goals, two goals that he scored each goal paid back his, his price tag to be fair well, the Everton goal did for me yeah back his price tag. and yeah he'll, he'll ride the wave this year I mean some people are saying oh, off the back of what he's doing now we should cash he, in and he should cash in on himself for a new deal going somewhere else but the reality is, where what do you will want to do? he go? Do you want to sit on the bench to Liverpool and maybe play 15 games a year but pick up a few medals? Do you want to go to, I don't know, West Brom and exactly. be their main man but be, and, you know, straight relegation? And again, he won't have the players around him. He, he's, will he be the main man? Will he be successful? It's not as easy as just going out there and being. This, he's a confidence player. He's not the type that if things aren't going well, he can dr- he can drag it up and drag the team along with him. So I think he he'll just ride ride it out another year and go on a if need be go on a free next year with everyone's blessing. He can get himself a really good deal because he is going on a free. But I can see him sign another deal that keeps him in for another two or three years. To be honest, well, um, we've heard from Melissa Reddy, who's a, for those that don't know, is a well-renowned journalist. Um, in England, working for ESPN, and she's basically said that Michael Edwards has rang Lille himself, saying, um, "Sorry, we'll move on to Nicholas Pepe." I'm <laughs> well, well ahead. Um, so the whole Nicholas Pepe talk, um, will he or won't he come? Um, just a transfer that does not seem to. No, 
and be leaving the headlines, really. But it's not leaving the headlines because Nicolas Pepe's agent keeps putting it into the headlines and stirring the pot. And that's the problem with us being this now big global side. Um, that, you know, it's not the first time, it won't be the last time this season that pe- agents are going to use us to tap up their own players to get their move. Not at all. And Mel Reddy's one of the best pundits in place. Yeah, she has more contacts inside the club than most. And if she says it's an, it's a non-starter, then I'm prepared to 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 believe her. To be honest, I don't see it happening. I'm waiting for Mel Reddy to tell me that Mbappe 2020 is happening. So for those that don't know, search up the Anfield rap and search up Mbappe 2020. So moving on to players coming in, um, City have spent broken their. Um, transfer fee of 60 I think it was around 65 million I wonder uh, why they're doing that so I mean for those that don't know City are very likely to be getting a uh, transfer or fee for fair play ban at the end we'll go maybe go on to a bit about that towards the end of the podcast um, but I could be looking to get a fee for fair play ban maybe what's happened to AC Milan they've been kicked out of the uh, Europa League City it's kind of been up in the air if it's going to happen, but I think with them spending sixty-five million when they're already under scrutiny whether they're going to be into FIFA Fair Play, it just means they definitely are definitely going to be kicked out of the Champions League next year, and uh, stocking up their yeah players while they can. Agree totally. Uh, yeah, because this is their year to win the Champions League. Because you know, you I, reading a lot and seeing the teams and seeing age and stuff like that, City need to do more work in the transfer window than we do. They've got older players going on and on, like um, that Fernandinho, Aguero, reaching 30 now. So they need to start replacing them type of players. So if you think in two years' time, or if, get through, if you don't win the Champions League this year, next season they're out of it. It might be even two years, we don't know. Year after. Well, we're into FFP whether we like it or not now because you kept talking. So, we'll yeah, yeah, Man City are... Under the spotlight from UEFA, they they have been investigated. They have got the the big gun lawyers out, and the and the word is that they are going to fight it every inch of the way. We're a few weeks away from the start of the season, and that means we'll, once we're in, we'll run into the qualifying rounds for the Champions League. Will start happening. Once that's happened, they can't ban anybody, so they will not get a ban this year. Again, those that that aren't that have been living under a rock in Mars, you know, Man City have been allegedly accused of uh, not being fully truthful on their revenue-less costs versus their profit. Uh, To put it in context, when you think of their commercial revenues, their off-field commercial revenues, Man United do £276 million sterling a year Liverpool are catching and closing the gap, and we can talk about that separately. They're 154 million. But Man City have this figure of 232 million pounds worth of commercial revenue. Now, we live overseas. I don't see that many people walking around in Man City shirts. I don't see, when I'm talking to people in a pub, that many Man City supporters. What I see is Man United shirts. What I see is Liverpool shirts. Arsenal shirts. Chelsea Chelsea shirts. shirts. Even Tottenham shirts. I think more Tottenham shirts than Exactly. Man City are the new kids on the block in the Galatico stage of the EPL. Chelsea have took 
the whole of the Abramovich era to finally, it galls me to say it, but they're getting the kind of status because they've had sustained success over an over a period of time. Man City do not have that. So allegedly they have inflated their deals with their partnerships with, with various friends and partners at inflated prices to increase their off-field f- off revenues. And then some of their costs they've suppressed via their partnerships with the likes of Melbourne City uh, and their overseas partners who don't come under the same FFP scrutiny. So if Melbourne City have a massive loss, nobody really gives a damn. So they can hide some of the overall costs spread amongst all of these subsidiary organisations. And they're the things that are getting investigated. It's, you know, the flip side is that Man City actually uh, employ now the guy who actually wrote the FFP rules for UEFA. They headhunted the guy that wrote the rule book. Now, you've got to say, the cynic in you says, you know, they're obviously working their way around the, the rules. The, the, uh, the, the businessman in says, yeah, that's the, exactly the kind of thing you should do, you know, to, to overcome uh, what's going on in other industries. So, yeah, uh, they've got this guy on board. They know how to bend the rules and hide things. The lawyers are going to absolutely blast it out big time. There's going to be a massive court case. It will be ongoing for the next 12 months at least. And that will be the end of uh, any question that they're going to be banned this year. I sincerely think that it could come to fruition and they will be banned next year. And that then leaves us with, with a huge, huge situation. So, yeah, they've got these, they're spending money now because they can and they're saying sod it to FFP. But here's my question on this, and this is where where the build-up for this for me comes from. What if they don't win the Champions League this year? Pep walks. For me, Pep walks either way. Yeah? Even if he wins the Champions League, I mean, there was talks at the end of this season he was going to walk. I think that, again, that could be linked to the FFP stuff. If he, they had got the ban this year, I reckon he walked. Because he's won everything else. Yeah. He's there to win the Champions League. So his big thing is he spent big. He knows he hasn't got to deal with any of the issues with this FFP stuff. So he's bringing in who he wants to win this Champions League. As soon as this ends, he's going back to Barca. As soon as this ends, he's going back to Barca next year. And he's gone. And I think City will really struggle once he leaves. Oh, I do. Because we talk about footballs and cycles. Like I said earlier, you know, the... Aguero's are going to be getting older. Uh, Fernandinho's going to get older. Company's already left. Yeah, we talked about that in the last one. That's a huge hole. So then, if you think about another year after that, if they do get the ban next year, they're in the Champions League after that. It's three years away. Yeah, he's gone. And, and so I really, really want City to go out in the early rounds of the Europe, <laughs> European Cup this year. No way hope. So, I mean, with them spending so much money... <laughs> Um, do we need to counteract that by buying someone? Sorry. No. The fact is, the market is so distorted at the moment. No players are worth the money they're getting paid right now. And the market is getting massively distorted. 
And I think we're going to see a leveling or readjustment of the market. Similar happened after the the initial huge push from Abramovich and the, and the Chelsea money came in. We, Chelsea ended up with all these players and still have all these players out on loan. They spent ridiculous amounts of money. The only winners in this kind of scenario are the agents. The agents are pushing for deals. They give these kids advice saying, sign up, this hugely inflated price. They then get sent out on loan. Yeah, the kids are made financially for life, but this has inflated the overall market. When these young kids are earning a pile of money, they don't want to go anywhere else. So I think this inflated market is going to level out because... I think the players are wiser now. They look and see what happened in the past and they're saying, yeah, but I'll turn down the massive money now because I want to play for the best teams in the world, which means playing on the park, not going out on loan. So I think they look at the kind of model Liverpool have got. Liverpool have a financial model that they're not prepared to break at the moment. Mbappe 2020 might change that. But... It's not there at the moment. Our players are happy. Our squad's happy. We have youth players coming through. We're signing youth players for good money, but not ridiculous money. And youth players are choosing Liverpool over massive money. So I think we're in a really, really good place. Yeah, we might not win the league this year. I hope we do. But we're well-placed that I think over the next few years we have multiple championships coming not just one the first will be the big one to get the monkey off our back just as the Champions League is I still think we're going to go far in the Champions League this year I'm not saying we're going to win it but I do think we're going to go very very close in the league as well I'm not saying we're going to win that either City are yeah this inflated market will continue with the likes of City doing this now but it's unsustainable the the smaller clubs can't cope it's and it starts to kill it a little bit. For me, I reckon it all depends on what happens while they're away in America. Um, if, because in a really interview, Klopp said um, how important Bruce's role is going to be in this season. Now, I reckon, and he's going to be the end up being the backup striker, personally. Yeah. Um, everyone well, says we need this big guy coming in, but, you know, everyone, for those that, you know, look from, I'm not saying people glory hunting, but off the back of of past couple of years of success, people are jumping on the wagon of Liverpool, but not knowing lads that are breaking through. Brewster is, has been tapped to be... To, Brewster would have been part of the squad last year if he had, didn't get his ACL injury. Yeah. Um, so, with him have, supposedly having this massive role, look, if he goes and... Ha- you know, God forbid he gets injured again, or he's just not the same player that Klopp saw when he, before he got injured pre-injury we, you might see us go buy someone however it also adds on to the likes of uh, Ryan Kent um, Harry Wilson they have amazing pre-seasons no one to say why they can't stay, stay in the squad and you, you talk to Brewster and go okay pre-season starts now you do right by us we do right by you you train well start a few of the pre-season games go to USA do well you're going to be starting in a community shield match against Man City in front of 90,000 at Wembley. Hey. You're going to be starting. He takes because, that. Because, you know, we'll move on to a bit later when we're talking about the African and Copper America. Lads need their breaks. 
So there's going to be holes for people to step up. They do. But again, talking about buying somebody in on the front line, we still have Shakiri. Yeah? We still have Origi. We've, you know, there are players in around this squad that, that can add numbers. Who, you know, I'm still interested to see what happens with Lallana this year. So, yeah, Lallana... Yeah, but where does he fit into the picture? He's staying for a reason. Klopp doesn't keep people around. He likes him just... behind the scenes. Yeah. That's why he's staying um, more than anything. Klopp likes him behind the scenes. And I think, if you say to me, um, his age, um, you think, for me, if you say to me, at that age, when you're... You're just going to sit on the bench. You're not going to play that much, but you're a massive, massive character in a changing room. You know, you're going to pick up a stupid amount of money a week to sit on the bench, be a person in the changing room, out on the training pitch, help the youngsters through, and you're going to pick up a few medals while you're there. I just, I'll take it. I think potentially Klopp's got a plan he's B. He's 30 now. Yeah. He's got two years left on his deal. But if Klopp's got a plan B in his mind for if we have players out, change your system change your players to bring stuff in. Uh, you know, the Ox as well, let's be honest, we're waiting to see the best of him. We've got players in and around here that we can switch to 4-4-2, or we can play with five across the middle to, to get attacking formation changes. There's, We don't always have to panic and say, if one of our front three get injured, we need to go and buy someone else. Whoever we buy isn't necessarily going to be better than Origi. And bear in mind that any player we bring in... Inflated market. But goes on generally in Klopp's system. They don't go straight they, into they the go, squad. Yeah, they go out for 12 months while they learn and get their fitness levels up. So I don't... You know, we look at what they're doing on the you know, pre-season for day one at the moment and, and that starts now. That training system to get them fit enough to play Klopp's way. So I really don't think we're going to bring someone in the front line now. I really don't. So we'll get back to that in later podcasts. Um, we're going to move on to the Copa America. Um, for those that don't know, Alison and Bobby through to the final in Peru, which is, uh, it might be tomorrow morning actually, I think Monday morning. No, it's Sunday. Oh, so it's tonight? Yeah. There you go. So uh, so we're recording this on the 7th uh, in Australia uh, on the Sunday. So it's going to be tonight, tomorrow morning, the Copa America final, which means the boys will be heading home after this um, hopefully happy more than anything um, into the final against Peru Alisson uh, looks like he's going to be getting the golden glove first person to get a golden glove in three major tournament, or three major events which is the Premier League uh, the Champions League and now the Copa America Bobby's sitting joint top goal scorer with two goals with about a million other people um, I need to score in the final he does so I mean Let's hope they can win it because they're still going to get their three weeks off, which is great. And um, they'll come back to before the start of the season. Um, they'll just miss the Ameri- they'll, my, my guess is they'll meet the boys back in Melwood as they come back from their America tour. But let's say for confidence sake, let's hope they can get a win, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Robbie Fowler done an article in the... Uh, the uh, we'll speak about Robbie again later, but Robbie still does a, a Sunday article back in the UK in the Sunday Mirror. And obviously at that time, Salah was still in. And so they, they were talking about both the Copa America and the African Cup of Nations and the impact that that might have on Liverpool's season this year. And Robbie was pretty uh, pretty heavy saying that 
you know this could have massive impact on the start of the season. I'm not a hundred percent in agreement with him, uh, but it will definitely have some impact. Obviously, Salah out now. Afco- uh, sorry, Mane. Mane's through. So the three-week breaks at the end of these going, you know, is is a compulsory thing for the players, and it just then leaves you with that hole at the start of the season. Leaves you to question mark who's going to play uh, in the charity shield. That's where the, the, I made the noise for Bruce to come in um, earlier on. But as we're, as you said before, we'll move on to the African Cup of Nations. Um, Salah, who was, again, joint top goal scorer with two goals um, after the group stages, helped them finish top of their group. With a shot loss overnight, uh, getting knocked out by South Africa 1-0. Devastating for him. Jubilation for those of... Uh, in Liverpool, Liverpool supporters um, means he'll be going on, you know, maybe a couple of week holiday and getting back home, getting back fit for the start of the season. So now he, no, there's no doubt now he'll be starting the season fully fresh. Yeah, but again, whether they play in the Charity Shield is that first game against Norwich is the big one. We, you know, you get your three week break in, and then you're ready for that early game. Again, it depends how he's feeling. You know, the sports science, um, sports science staff, exercise scientists, how they all deal with it. Um, Moving in with into Mane, Mane's uh, they are into the quarterfinals. Um, he's on three goals now. Uh, they get beat Uganda overnight. So he's going to be staying in the competition and look like several will be going quite far. I'd expect them to at least make the semi-final now. I would have thought so. Um, Naby Keita is was sent home um, by Guinea, so he's a reoccurring adductor problem. So he's been sent home. But with new uh, reports coming out, he actually should be okay for the start of pre-season. So I guess he will go to America. Maybe play more a decreased amount of um, game-wise up there. Yeah, I think it's been confirmed he's definitely going to America. He'll be going to America. So it looks like hopefully it was just a, a tweak more than anything. Yeah. But he, he'll be mar- getting monitored close because he's starting to build a reputation up for being a bit of injury prone now. Yeah, I like the noise that came out of Guinea that they were hoping that he'd be sent back from Melwood to the competition to try and help them continue it Jesus yeah, yeah right. and it's like well they are into the next round um, I'm not sure how they did in the quarterfinals at, um, in the knockout stage I'm not sure if they're into the quarterfinals I or think not. they are they are they, they got out of their group I know that um, but nice to see him back I mean like I said the finals not till the 19th so let's hope Mane and Senegal get beat in the quarterfinals so we can get a nice rest and get home it's that catch 22 isn't it I mean you know, looking at a lot of uh, social media t- uh, content and people are probably rel- been a bit harsh on, on, on sort of uh, been too happy that Salah's out. I think personally a happy Salah is a happy player for Liverpool and, you know, he is a player that, that thrives on that confidence that comes from being a very, very happy position in his in his whole life, which includes he's very, very important for Egypt, and he carries a lot of on his weight on his shoulders. So if things are going well inside the Egypt squad. I actually think it's actually good for Liverpool. So for becomes- me, it's the idea of my thing with Salah is that he's the whole mentality side of things. Is that when you're like that, you keep want to you you want to play, you want to keep yeah. playing, you keep playing, and that's where the rhythm, rhythm, yes, but that's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the peak uh, statistic for overtraining. 
Yeah. So when you're, you know, even though you're, you know, you're mentally on top of the world, you know, you've just won the Champions League, you've just won, say he goes on to Your win. Your self-belief is Catholic so high. African combination to come back. You don't want to break. You want to keep playing, you keep playing. So you tell a sports staff, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fit. Yes, you might be fit, but you need that rest. He might, and because he's on top of the world, he wants to keep playing. They let him play and he gets an injury. There was one argument put out where they said, okay, let all of these players go straight into pre-season training at the end of the tournaments and go straight through. We hit the ground running at the start of the season and then when we hit the international break, have arrangements in place with these international teams where our players then go on their three-week holiday. So they, for two weeks of it, they miss the international games and for a week of it, they miss a game for Liverpool but we are a month or so into the season when that happens. And the players get through a... You know, they don't have to do a pre-season. They just keep going in pre-season as though it's, you know, continuing their level of fitness and match match form. I mean, to completely shut that down, that's not going to happen. It's not, um, but it's, I think it's an interesting argument. For me, with I mean, we're coming from an English point of view where, you know, it's being questioned that do some of these players actually want to play for their country? Um, we're talking about um, African nations like Salah and Mane, where it's an, it is a privilege and an honour to play for their country, and every cap possible is huge for them. It is, but at the end of a tournament, the first international games are generally next to nothing games, and they come off the back of a tournament and they go into that, and I just think it's a... Uh, going forwards, the Premier League, teams have to find a way of dealing with the likes of the Copper America and the Akron Cup because they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere and we have more and more teams who are more and more players who are going to be involved in these things. So I think we, we have to find a way that doesn't affect the Premier League and that's one potential way of doing it. All right, and so we'll move on to some managerial appointments. Um, well, or on appointments or departures um, Rafa Benitez um, former Liverpool manager has left Newcastle um, looks like he's left to China now um, by all accounts I was reading an article today actually um, apparently you know like I said before we recording this on July 7th told Newcastle he was leaving after a meet- shortly after a meeting on May 16th wow didn't see that one so this was on Sky Sports, so it's not some dodgy Facebook one. It's on Sky Sports, so a meeting at the end of the season. We've had this meeting, and you know Rafa wasn't happy. He wanted an increase on his six million a year, bo- um, six million a year contract. He wanted a bit more money. I think obviously two and throwed over transfer budgets. Um, and shortly after he's come back to them, maybe you know a couple of days after the sixteen, and said, "I'm not going to be managing Newcastle next year." Now listen to the Anfield rap and them talking to a, before this all came out, them talking to a Newcastle fan or a Newcastle um, fan-related fanzine or podcast up there. They basically said, you know, because they don't know if they're going to get anyone soon because, you know, this has happened all so fast. You know, Rafa's departure was a bit of a a shock after everyone thought he was actually going to stay. You know, they don't want to rush into finding the wrong person, blah, blah, blah. But with this coming out that actually maybe on the 16th, he said that he wasn't going to be there no longer. Makes you think why they're it's taking classic, so long. Classic Newcastle. 
Classic Newcastle. I just wonder, again, we talked about on a previous podcast about I had suspicions that maybe the Newcastle had a buyer in the pipe. And if that buyer came through, Rafa might stay, he'd have more money, etc., etc. Now that's not going to happen. I'm far more confident about towards the back end of the season next year when we play Newcastle now than the last game of the season. We'll have a really, really good day now. No Rafa to actually spoil the party. I just think it's really sad for all those Toon Army fans that that are massively respected supporters uh, across the UK. And I hate out the fact that they, th- they still think they're a big club. They're not a big club. They're a big, well-supported club. They are. They're, 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 yeah, they that, are. I'm not going to disagree, but they're not a big club. They're not. I've seen an argument on um, Talk Sport where one of the pundits basically went, Newcastle fans still think they're a big club. They should be attracting these type of players, but they're not. They're not the players in the um, like early to mid nineties or late nineties where they were fighting with United for the leagues. Yeah, they're not that type of team. They're not a team with Alan Shearer and Michael Irwin and all this now. A team that's been yo-yoing up and down the leagues for the past couple, um, past you know, five years now. Well, we haven't had the investment. They're not. They're not. They're not the big club they were. Uh, yeah, without investment, they just the only thing that's keeping them going is all of those fans that turn up week in week out, so they get good gate receipts. Well, I suppose there's going to be a protest first game of the season. But unfortunately, football supporters are football supporters. Yes, we protest. But the reality is we protest for one game and we're back there the next game because we thrive on the club. The club's at the heart and soul of the community. And the community doesn't operate without it. I mean, with with the whole Mike Ashley, football's a business and he runs that like a business. And the problem is with Newcastle... He's making such a profit on Newcastle, Mike Ashley. That's why, I mean, they for Perez, um, they bought for around six mil, I think, or not even that. Um, they've just sold him to Leicester for 30 million. Now, there's a you know minimum of 24 mil profit. Yeah. And there's your, and there's your type of business mentality that he has type of thing. So the gate receipts coming through, the TV deals, you know, it's it's not a bad deal for Mike Ashley to to keep going, but the, he's going to be becoming a more and more pressure. But you never get a quote from him. He's never he, he's been yeah. under pressure for years. Yeah, but you, he doesn't he doesn't come Do out. Do you feel this is where the FFA should be able to step in? But it's against it's against the law. You're right, but shouldn't they? Do they try and find not a, a loophole, but create something that and. We've seen it up and down the leagues, you know. Um, I think I remember seeing a documentary on Lincoln City that they've never dropped out of the football league, and they've had these poor owners come in. It's happened to us ourselves years ago. You got and these ma- owners that are just causing, yeah. that are doing it for the business instead of doing it for the football. Yeah. Problem is, you've also got the difference between the lower leagues being the FA and the Premier League being the Premier League Association, which is effectively owned by the clubs, and it's all about the business model for those clubs. And it operates on a commercial model under European law, so you can't oust anybody. You can't. You can't take control. It's not like a US or here or an Australian franchise, franchise where you, if you're not performing the way you're supposed well, to, they are supposed can be removed. Here, aren't they? they are because he, it's struggling here. So that's, that's another podcast. Yeah. So yeah, I don't see much hope for Newcastle uh, so over the next go, couple yeah. of years. Uh, right now, yeah, because they've got no manager. <laughs> you 
Yeah, they're going nowhere. So, yeah. Uh, and good luck to Rafa in China, I think. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's confirmed where he's going, but definitely yeah. where... It's confirmed. Is it confirmed? It's confirmed because there was a, an article in the paper about it when, uh, and Rafa's actually commented on some tweets that people have put out about, you know, about him going, you know, going for the money, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that the Chinese market is still trying... That, you know, they know with the amount of people they have in China and the, the market that's available to them... Football in China will eventually become a really dominant sport, and they they have a stated goal to be at the top of it. So it, they've tried all sorts of different ways. They've brought in a lot of uh, players towards the end of their careers, trying to to kickstart it, but they haven't had that many really high class managers and coaches go in at the top end of the game. Now Rafa. Is probably the biggest, and it tactically. Not I mean, have you seen some of the people they're linked with? Jesus, likes of um, Steve McLaren, um, Allardyce. Yeah. Ta- I mean, I've heard they're trying to get um, Martinez from Belgium. He might, he might be de- um, decent. Um, but, you, but you see what I mean about into. the? It's a new step. It's a new angle that the the Chinese market's going for. It's, if they get good quality managers in and coaches in, because the managers bring their own coaching team in. All of a sudden, the players start getting better coaching, ta- more tactically aware, etc., etc. Well, Newcastle are three seventy-five to go down. Um, so might, it might, might be, be worth, worth a few balls. I mean, not, not not that we better. I thought course. they'd be a lot closer than they were. I thought they'd be a lot more um, better odds to go down, but they're not. Like the Shep- I mean, the three. That's <laughs> always the three little teams that have just come up. Yeah, they've the still got go back down. The reality is, they've still got some decent players, you know, and so. It might take... Nah, I think they'll go down. Sorry. Sorry, I do. How about the... Uh, just just quickly looking on sports bet. Um, EPL, Champions League, FA Cup and EFL for Liverpool. Quadruple, 5-1. to one. Oh, 500. Five so 501 to 0, sorry. How about that? Might be Put worth... Put $1 on, yeah. one back. Yeah. Might be worth a punt. You never know. So, with more managerial appointments, we'll keep it in the Premier League to start off with. Frank Lampard getting the job at Chelsea. Um, no one was really shocked by that. I think it was coming, especially after his departure from Derby. Yeah. Uh, I actually think he gets a free pit. Yeah, me too. Total free hit. I reckon it's... Um, I mean, it was the only way to go there. You had no other yeah. option, really. But a lot of people saying, oh, it's a, it's a poison chalice for Frank. He, you know, he'll... They're only taking him because of his reputation. It's like a Solskjaer appointment, etc., etc. But the reality is, he's gone in there. He can't sign anybody, so he's not going to have any pressure about that he's signing rubbish and sp- and spending ridiculous amounts of money. I actually what- think Frank's a good coach. Frank yeah. Lampard, I reckon he's a good coach, and I think he's shown that at Derby, at Derby. because he didn't have the resources there. So I think you know he actually coached them players to how he wanted to play. So what he's now going to get? is probably a load of loanees who are quality players out on loan, bring them back, coach them into a team. They're not gonna they're not gonna be in the top six, I don't think. But they're gonna be there or thereabouts and he'll have a real good hit at it. And he'll he'll be judged more on his second season. So we'll wait and see. Uh, I mean I still think they'll make the top four. I think they're still in a strong position, even with losing hazard. Um, I think obviously us, City and uh, Tottenham are the top three. I think you can nail that on now. Yeah. Um, and I think you can nail 
Chelsea getting top four. I think yeah. Arsenal and okay. City are in disarray. Sorry, Arsenal and United are in disarray. And it, I think I think United might even drop out of the top six unless they come in. Yeah. So I think Arsenal will uh, will be there thereabouts again. To be honest, I think they're not as bad as as you as you're making out. I think they. Yeah, I just think they. they I think there's they, still disconnect between them and their fan base, and we know that better than anyone on how big that can be. Yeah, I think they still they still need that connection between them and their fan base. But I do think they're. I mean, they do need to sort their back line out on the not. They're still yet to sort their back line out. They've made no signings as of yet. And even the signings they are looking at getting at the minute, it's like Wilfred Zaha, which, yes, will bolster their squad massively. However, you look at their situation start, again. But you look at the... They, need, they might only have... I think I've seen a thing, um, some reporters saying they apparently only have like 40 mil to spend. I don't believe that's true. I reckon they do have more. But even if they do have only 40 mil to spend, I'd divide that by three. And buy three young, decent lads. Because there's no one you can really have to get for 40 mil. No. So you divide that up by three and get three decent younger lads and split because they, they, they need a new back line. So bringing it a bit more closer to home, we have uh, Fowler coming to Brisbane. I think it's great. I'm really, really pleased about it. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the game here, really, isn't it? Uh, bringing Fowler back. Everyone knows that he came out um, when was it? How long ago now? We played for <laughs> Perth and North, not a, uh, was it? Yeah. North Queensland Fury or yeah, something. Yeah, Fury. Shit like that. That went down after two seasons, completely went under. But he always said that he was happy here and wanted to return. Was it the family that wanted it going? Uh, yeah, I think it was circum- Yeah, there was, there was some personal circumstances that he went back. But once, but he's always talked about, you know, we've, we know people that, that know in and around, uh, you know, What's what's in and around going on with with some of the the people involved with Robbie, and he'd always said that he fancied coming back to Australia. So it was unfinished business, and you know, you I, know think what, I think Brisbane are going to be very good this year. Yeah, I think we're all going to be uh, closet Brisbane supporters. So they're going the away end when they come to Highmarsh, isn't it? Yeah, uh, like um, I say, it's good for, good for the Australian game and good seeing back here for as a from a Liverpool point of view, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think it's great. I think we will get it. There'll be a knock-on effect. We're missing and have been missing some marquee-type players coming into the A League. Names as well. Yeah, so having Robbie coming back as a marquee manager, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes as a manager. He's still, you know, this is his chance to prove himself, and it's it's I not mean, an easy it's not an easy job. The difference between manager great and players. difference between manager and a coach. I mean, I've had him. Um, for those that know, I went to Robbie Fowler uh, Academy back in the UK um, a few years back, and he did a few. Of the, he coached a few of our sessions as a coach. I mean, of course, he's going to have some sort of a tactical mind. He's played at the highest level possible for a number of you know for decades, um, so he's going to have some tactical mind. But I think there's, there's knowing it and being able to coach it, and um, he coached it very well, which is good. Which is good, but then again, there's a difference between a coach and a manager. But I think players' he's... emotions. Uh, interviews and transfers yeah. and all that type of shit but what I think he has proven so far on step one of his managerial career he's managed to get hold of some players and bring them in which and, and there's some exciting signings that he's brought yeah, in there lot, so bringing a lot of lads bringing a lot of lads from Scotland as well yeah so he, he's he's spread the net far and wide and some of these boys are Australian boys who have been playing overseas and he's bringing them back so I just 
Yeah, uh, so to far. Win, really, isn't it? Yeah, so far. Take me hat off to him. I think. Uh, and yeah. fingers crossed that they can do well again this season. Yeah, because I think see. Brisbane are better than what they think they actually were this year. And also, we got a you know from an Adelaide United perspective, our old coach has now turned up at, the, at Melbourne Victory, which has uh, gone yeah. down really well here. But at the end of the day, Adelaide United sure. let him go. You know. <laughs> You let a good coach go. Don't be surprised if he turns up at your uh, competitor. So moving, staying on with the coaches talk, um, we're going to move on to the Buvac saga um, as it's continued. It's come out recently that um, Buvac, who, who people that don't know, was the assistant coach under Klopp for over 17 years. Um, he was left around um, April last year. Um, he left after supposedly was um, personal reasons, as we were told, for a few weeks and a few months. You know, it's, we've still to this day been told that it was all, uh, what's the word? Per- personal problems. But in a recent study, it's come out, study, um, article, it's come out that it's been a bit more of a jealousy type of situation, hasn't it? Um, yeah. Linders, who came in as a fourth choice type of coach to help out has come in and he, you know, his relationship with the coaches and with the players was quite good. Um, actually, wasn't really happy with that and a bit of, and he's left because of it. Yeah, I think what it, where the information's come from, Raphael Honigstein has done an updated version to his book, which I would highly recommend, Clot Bring the Noise. It's a really, really good uh, look into the mindset of Klopp and his history and minds and everything else, and he follows it through. But this updated version now has a Liverpool element to it. And they, this is where he's talking about the, uh, the, the original thing that was, it was a, a per, for personal reasons, but obviously there's more to it. And Pep apparently is a really, really well-liked member of the coaching team uh, by the players. And it's his relationship with the players that, that's potentially uh, Buvax didn't like. And that's it. Um, and I think Klopp probably looked to maybe, because they were getting on so well, Klopp looked to bring him closer and closer with the group, taking on trainings. Buvax didn't like that. No, and Buvax, by all accounts, was a very uh, quiet character. Didn't say, you know, he doesn't, he puts the sessions on, but he doesn't really communicate well with the players. Uh, his relationship was with Klopp, and, and he was the brain. Well, that, that's the idea. He was the brains, wasn't he? And everyone seemed to lose their shit when he left, thinking, yeah, I do remember he was going through a bit of a tough patch after he did leave. Yeah, um, and, and everyone's everyone saying, like, everyone's the brain's going, gone. Exactly, we're losing everything, you know, the brain has gone, but yeah. I guess we've soon shut them up, haven't we? I think, again, it was just at that point, Pep had to, you know, Pep Linder's stepping up and, and doing more and it takes a little bit of time for him to build his relationship at that level with Klopp and it had been coming for a while but again you say yeah Honigstein basically says that you know he's talked less and less and less communication wise with the players so it was on a downward spiral something had to happen now apparently uh, the relationship between Klopp and Buvac is still good. It, the, the, the relationships, yeah. the relationships survived, there. but they both agree it was the right thing for him to move on. Uh, and, and for it, the club, they didn't want uh, that correct. to disrupt the club. And like you said, Liverpool is a lot about on culture, and you see the lads even starting training in the past month, uh, this past week, 
Um, you see how happy they are to be back. Um, you see the club culture is huge, and for something to maybe disrupt that, um, something had to happen. Yeah. And, hey, can't argue, won the Champions League. <laughs> we had the highest number of points we've ever had. And I love Pep Linder celebrations. He flies uh, off the bench every time we score. He's more in Klopp's image as regards his character and his public personality. Uh, again, you saw Klopp when he returned to Melwood this week and shaking hands and everything else. He gave Pep a huge, uh, huge hug kind of thing. Uh, then again, he gave everyone a hug. He even gave the dinner ladies a yeah, hug. Yeah, exactly. And again, that just adds the thing to the whole um, club culture. You know, um, everyone everyone feels a part of this club. Everyone feels the reason why they're getting that high um, where they are today. Everyone's part of the club. Everyone's the reasons why we are where we are. All right. Well, I think that'll do us for today. It's gone about uh, 50 minutes. Uh, thanks, Sam, for joining me. Uh, Find us on social media at the Football Pink Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all on your podcast apps as well. The same thing at the Football Pink Podcast. All righty. Up the Reds.